Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. We have 46% of Americans right now self-identifying as independents. Is that yeah. because they are truly completely independently minded and they don't want to belong to anything with any sort of label? Or is it that no one's invited them to a home that is inclusive and makes them feel good? right? Like, what if we built that home for them? What if we built a place that was solutions oriented, that focused on compromise and getting shit done? Um, what a notion. And, and I just, I, f- I felt that need so, so desperately, Andrew, the need for, for a sense of community, broader sense of community amongst Americans. So when I saw what y'all were doing uh, last summer, I thought, huh, I think that's the other piece of the puzzle. It is my pleasure and thrill to welcome to the podcast the newly named CEO of the Forward Party, Lindsay Drath. Lindsay, welcome. Hey, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's been a lot of fun working with you and getting to know you these past weeks and months. Uh, And you're new to most people listening to this. So for most people listening to this, it'd be like, oh, um, Forward Party has a new CEO. Um, so you and I got to know each other while you were a senior executive at this awesome organization, Unite America, which, yes. I mean, the name kind of says it all, but what the heck is Unite America and what were you doing there? <laughs> so Unite America is a, it's an organization that actually functions as a pooled fund to raise money and then invest in structural reform campaigns, uh, across the country and also to support candidates. So that's, that's pretty explicitly what it does. But in a broader sense, United America sits in this big space that people talk about, Andrew, as democracy. And I think oftentimes, especially um, because of some of the challenges in the, in the last two election cycles, uh, folks find that the notion of democracy, people think, is synonymous with voting rights. And the voting rights space is, is critically important, um, but also relatively well-funded. There's a lot of leadership in the voting rights space. Um, it's a it's an area that's been in existence longer than the structural reform space um, and certainly longer than the third party. So when we look at the work that the um, team at United America did to invest in a series of uh, ballot reform measures around the country, it was pretty significant um, because it's a it's a relatively um, nascent and, and new and underfunded space. Yeah. So when you say structural reform, uh, what I think is – Nonpartisan primaries, ranked choice voting, which will be familiar to people who are into mm-hmm. to forward. 
And those ballot initiatives or campaigns require resources. And Unite America is probably the biggest source of funds for those initiatives. And you were and, and you were front and center in trying to get those resources in the door. Yeah, we raised from in, in 2019 when I joined the team over there, um, they had set forth a pretty ambitious goal of raising and deploying $100 million into the structural reform space. Um, and we actually surpassed that goal um, through the 2022 election. Um, and we were able to do that because of extraordinary philanthropists and, and supporters around the country who are willing to make the investment, but also because of really worthy campaigns um, that showed us a pathway to victory that, um, you know, not only would, would we have a pathway towards winning, but that win would result in something that was really transformational. And Alaska is a great example of that. So we were early and consistent investors in the, uh, top four primary system in Alaska, which was the combination of a nonpartisan primary and then a ranked choice voting general election. Um, and we saw at the end of 2022, the results of that transformative, um, reform in the, yeah, and the reelection of, of Lisa Murkowski and then the election of the first ever, you know, indigenous person, native Alaskan to Congress beating Sarah Palin. So really, really exciting stuff there. Mary Peltola. I love Mary. Mary's awesome. Yeah. So for those of you who wonder how the heck any of that came about, uh, Lindsay and United America were working on that ballot initiative before it was cool uh, back in 2020. <laughs> We're and, cool and then, now. We're so hip and relevant, Andrew. And then, uh, and then also in Nevada, uh, Unite America was behind a lot of the resources there. Uh, and the Nevada Ballot Initiative, people, if you d- dig into it, I think the, the total uh, deployment was about $17 million. Um, so Lin- Lindsay was instrumental in growing that space, really, from – what do you think it it was when you got there in 2019? Um, gosh, I'd say I think we were like seven million. Yeah, yeah, so so that's a lot of growth. So what the heck kind of case did you make to people when you were like, "Hey guys, you're investing money in the wrong things. You should invest it over here." Yeah, I'll tell you. So um, you know, 2020 presented a really um, exciting opportunity for the reform space. Um, our friends Catherine Gale and Michael Porter had released a book called The Politics Industry, where Love they it. started to kind of yeah. socialize the notion of final five voting, understanding the difference between open primaries and a singular nonpartisan primary. Um, our friend Rob Ritchie over at Fair Vote has been doing Love this him. work for 30 years. He just celebrated yeah. his 30th anniversary. Talk over about there. doing it before it was cool. <laughs> Man, you know, and I think sadly, sadly for our nation, Andrew, but but fortunately for this movement, I think things were just so broken. Things were so very broken that by the time the 2020 election was ramping up, you had folks really looking at these reforms as an opportunity to address um, a system that just was not representative uh, for the voters and was not holding elected officials accountable um, and wasn't inspiring them to do their best work, right, as elected officials. So so you had this need, so you had a desperate need in the marketplace, and then you had a solution, um, and you had folks like Rob and Catherine who had been doing this work so that the um, there was a little bit of um, there was a little bit of seeding there. So you had Massachusetts, there was a ranked choice voting initiative, unfortunately, that that failed in Massachusetts, but was endorsed by the Boston Globe. Um, you had the ranked choice voting. I think you're you're a little familiar with the ranked choice voting in the in the Democratic primary in, in New York, Andrew. Yeah. So so that had passed. Um, and uh, you've got guys like there's a guy named Stan Lockhart in Utah who has passed dozens of municipal um 
initiatives adopting ranked choice voting in Utah. So so you started to see these different opportunities really, really clicking across the country at the same time you saw a lot of people uh, wanting to try and invest in something that was sticky, solutions oriented and made a difference. And uh, I think that these these suite of reforms, it is a suite, you know, not every state or town um, sure. is is going to respond in the same way. Uh, we're not a silver bullet. United America wasn't a silver bullet organization. Neither is the forward party. And so I think that that combination of need, resonance, um, and, uh, uh, and funding all kind of came together. Uh, the United America ended up doing 30, they spent $33 million between 2019 and 2020. Yeah, it's great stuff and great growth that you were an enormous part of. So what then drew yeah, you? Yeah, shout into- out to their executive director Nick Troiano, who just yeah, also Nick, he's he's Nick. just he's a mon- he's just a monster. He works so hard with his heart in the right place. So that's that's um, you know you you have leadership too in the movement. I mean leadership you know with people like you and with Nick who get in there and do the work every day is really critical. Yeah, and Nick Nick's tremendous. So what drew you over to this side of the movement, uh, you know, because Forward Party, um, I, I'm super excited about uh, the, the progress we've made, but it is a different approach. And I, I think uh, in some ways, uh, I think the reform cause that you were championing and love Unite America, love, love the work they're doing. Um, it, it's like a slightly different approach, I'd say, than what Forward Party is doing. I'll speak for myself for, for a moment. I, I think that uh, America is getting polarized and torn apart uh, by these two warring tribes that, uh, in, like many Americans, look up and, and don't even recognize, even if they might even technically be a part of one or the other. <laughs> I mean, that, that, hey, that's... preaching to the choir, Andrew. Yeah, uh, and, and so I thought, okay, um, we need to turn down the tribalism, turn down the polarization, or else it's going to wind up with uh, literal catastrophe. Uh, and so I saw this group of reforms as mission critical. But I also thought that you needed to raise a popular movement that Americans could mm-hmm. join and see themselves in that stood for values of uh being agreeable, like uh, knowing that uh, you're not going to agree on everything under the sun in terms of uh, issue position, uh, that we're all Americans. We we can um, sit down and hammer out solutions where we're all a little bit sad at the end, uh, but that that's actually vastly superior to me just posturing and turning people, uh, you know, like uh, on or off emotionally. Uh, in a way that ends up dehumanizing people. I mean, now uh, half of Democrats view Republicans as corrupt and a threat to the country, uh, and half of Republicans feel the same way about Democrats. I mean, that's not an environment where anyone's going to be able to get anything done. And so I, I thought it was necessary to change the dynamic um, and create a new unifying, positive, popular movement uh, that could help bring people together and also make the case for these reforms. So that was my approach to, to all of this. Uh, but, but you have like a, a really distinct journey. So like what, what was your uh, progression or line of thinking? Yeah, I, I, I do have a distinct journey. Although, you know, I mean, so many of us, I love hearing from our state leads around the country, what their light bulb moment was that moment that, that brought them here, what's inspired them uh, to be evangelists on behalf of this mission. It really, everybody comes to this space um, on their own journey. 
Uh, for me, uh, I had the opportunity, as I said, to start to work with United America in 2019. My background was in Republican Party politics, Andrew. So I'd spent, tw- I worked for John Boehner. I worked for the Romney campaign. As I, um, you and I were chatting about our mutual friend, Michael Steele, that was actually my first on the ground full-time campaign that I did when he ran for the United States Senate. You know, after 2016, um, it just never felt like the, the party that I had been a part of for so many years. Um, for many people in this space, uh, you know, the, the anti-Trump factor is is part of their journey. It actually wasn't for me because I always saw Donald Trump as a as a symptom of something deeply systemic in our nation. Um, it wasn't him. It was the fact that people were drawn to him and understanding what is happening right now in our nation, that someone whose vitriol is resonating to a point, a place where, you know, the language and the and the tone um, that he espoused that folks would never allow for in their own homes, right? Or amongst their friends or their colleagues or in front of their children, they were creating allowances for He, he normalized a lot of very, very He normalized it. And it was really bizarre. And so I, I I didn't look at it as him. I looked at it as a, as a bigger systemic issue. And and so what what I found is, um, you know, in in my work in Republican Party politics, uh, I, I found some really good people that I really thought were drawn um, to elected office and to service with a servant mindset who all of a sudden were running as close to Donald Trump as they could. And it just... Whoa. It it was it was That's, bizarre. Yeah, yeah it was like, that, that you know, is bizarre. It's like pod people, like zombie apocalypse, like they had been bitten or something, right? They couldn't help themselves. So I I was lucky enough to to um, have an opportunity to start working with Unite America, and you know, uh, shared with the people that I worked with there that I finally found a home. I felt like I had um, you know been politically homeless and found a home. Still um, registered Republican. That was my option, right? But I felt like I was helping to advocate um, for the adoption of these really transformative uh, reforms uh, that would release people from that that two-party grip. Um, at least the elected officials who maybe had a comma R or a comma D didn't, you know, didn't have to caucus with them and they would be free to work across the aisle. All things that are true, all things that are true. It is plumbing. Plumbing is important. Anybody who's a homeowner <laughs> who has water issues knows <laughs> how important plumbing is. So plumbing is important. But, um, you know, plumbing isn't what, you know, brings people together with families over the holidays around a shared table, right? Like a home is more than plumbing. It's it's a place of gathering and it's a place of belonging and it's a place of community. And um, what I realized in um, in the adoption of these reforms, or rather I would say for, you know, the, the campaigning for, for these reforms, uh, that there weren't enough people around. And we had really, really well-intentioned, very smart people, right? Like the democracy reform space. And, and the adoption of structural reforms in, in the whole suite, right? Like fusion voting, star voting, approval voting, nonpartisan primaries, open primaries, very smart people. Um, pretty academic, right? Pretty wonky. Maybe not necessarily tapping into those deep senses of, um, of, of, of feeling a, a need for belonging, um, lamenting where our nation was headed, what we were leaving to our children. Um, hard to make that connection. Um and so I realized that I thought that, you know, I, I realized my thinking was that we needed a parallel track. Yep. Plumbing is critical. We have to have the plumbing and we have to fix the plumbing, but we have to have a parallel track to create a home for Americans um, to tap into that passion. If we have 46% of Americans right now self-identifying as independents. Is that yep. because they are truly completely independently minded and they don't want to belong to 
anything with any sort of label? Or is it that no one's invited them to a home that is inclusive and makes them feel good, right? Like, what if we built that home for them? What if we built a place that was solutions oriented, that focused on compromise and getting shit done? Um, what a notion. Um, and then those people together would demand for updates in our plumbing systems. Then you start to see real catalytic change, demand for the plumbing systems, implementation of the plumbing systems, and then people who are involved and holding folks accountable. That's how we're going to see change. Um, and, and I just, I, I felt that need so, so desperately, Andrew, the need for, for a sense of community, broader sense of community amongst Americans. So when I saw what y'all were doing, uh, last summer, I thought, Huh, I think that's the other piece of the puzzle. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Do you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell our data? The worst part is you don't know what they're doing. You don't get to have your say. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Just hit one button and then your Internet connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server. No one can see your IP address. You're completely in your own private internet. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to track me and harvest my data. No matter what device you're on, you just hit one button and you get your own protected connection. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com yang and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com yang. Go to expressvpn.com yang to learn more. That we are the other piece of the puzzle, and now you're uh, going to be leading the charge. So, so super excited. Yeah, I think the press re- the press release went out today, so I think now it's official. <laughs> so I'm no backing out now. Yeah, well, you've already been uh, a part of the org for uh, the last couple of months, and we'll talk about what your experience has been. Um, but I, I want to refer back to what you talked about in 2016 when you saw a bunch of folks that you'd seen um, as being motivated by the right things become pod people or whatnot. Uh, like that, There was an experience for, for a lot of folks uh, during that point when Trump took over the Republican Party and you were plugged into a lot of those organizations and you were like, no, thank you. Um, but a lot of other people said, uh, I guess this is what we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. just went that direction. So what the heck was that experience like? And, and did you have to go against the current or the grain? Um, and we, we've had a couple of people... Uh, who are part of Ford, who left the Republican Party, who paid a deep professional cost. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I am. I cannot stress enough how blessed I am to have found this home. Um, first of all, as, as an American, as a, um, as, a, as a wife, as a mother, um, personally, really, really, really grateful. But professionally, 
for those of us who are career politicos, um, it's, you know, you people have mortgages, people have lives. That's, you know, that's been their career path. Um, and, you know, not unlike any um, industry that goes belly up, um, you know, you lose your job. So do you cling to that? Do you, you know, do you kind of cling to the capsized life raft and, and try and hold on? Um, I, I didn't want to anymore. Um, wasn't worth it to me. So I'm really grateful to be here. I will say, I think that I spent, you know, I spent a long time in politics and my, my colleagues and my friends have, have remained. So they've been really supportive of me. Um, I, I received a number of fair warnings. You know, you can't come back, Lindsay, you're going to want to come back. I said, to what, <laughs> what am I going to go back? What would I come back to? Well, that's and let's strong. say, let's say that the forward party, one of the things that I think that we can accomplish is actually forcing the existing two party structure to behave better, right? Like if, if we can force them to behave better, I think that's extraordinary to have a competitive, you know, three competitive parties in the United States. How great for us as Americans and citizens. Um, but what is that a decade that, you know, that would be a decade in the making. And again, it requires a competitive new party to force their hand. Um, so I, I left, I, I don't, I have, I have zero regrets. I have nothing but gratitude. Um, but as, as folks who make their career in, in politics, it's tough. Yeah, I, I had Kate on uh, a few months ago, yeah. and she talked about the same thing. She, she had to the make Democratic the same Party, choice, and then, and then they would be like, "It's a one-way street." <laughs> I mean, like, like, they really try and um, you know put the fear in, um, though you know the water is fine on the other side. Um, though it, it's fine because of people like you and Kate who are uh, making principled, patriotic decisions that may or may not you know be like the. Um, best moves to your bank account in like a short term or you know, like a, no, et cetera, and I got to tell you, it's, I mean, Andrew, like you have amassed such a wonderfully diverse group of professionals uh, at headquarters right now. It really is. I mean, it's, it is so representative of a variety of, of, of different professional backgrounds, um, you know, uh, certainly political affiliations. You, you mentioned Kate, she and I do not see eye to eye. <laughs> a lot of things, except for the fact that we're committed to a solution and we're committed yeah. to compromise and getting there. Um, and that that means that we get to run in the same direction every day. And it's just it's a joy. Yeah, they're, they're, they're great people. And one thing I do want to note is that uh, Kate Sayer, Matt Chinners, Miles Taylor, um, like uh, Joel Searby, like the folks that people think of as part of Forward Party, Will Conway. Um, you know, they've all been working with you for the last couple of months already mm -hmm. uh, because you joined as the uh, head of engagement. Uh, and mm -hmm. then, you know, we had a CEO search going concurrently and, and concluded uh, that you were the best fit, in part because we had already seen you in action. Um, what's your experience been like working with the team and meeting with state leads and volunteers and activists around the country? Yeah, the the team... Again, I mean, Matt Schinners, who has been functioning as the interim CEO, has some sort of like magic power. You all took three legacy organizations and merged not just staff, but staff with different philosophies. They all came to the work for different reasons and different motivations. To a certain extent, I think their their solution to fixing the problem was slightly different. Um, and he was able to bring all of those people together um, and, and get folks marching in the same direction, which is just you know, anyone in corporate America who's led mergers, uh, is an extraordinary feat. And I just give Matt a, like 
so much credit for that. He's he's an extraordinary human being. Um, and so uh, I think that... And Matt's still here. Matt's not going anywhere. Just so people He's know. not going anywhere. Matt's not going anywhere. He's not allowed to. He can take a break, but a short break. Not a long break. He knows that. Um, no, I think that, uh, you know, you have folks again from, from, from varying different professional backgrounds too. So just kind of norms around work and things like that. How, I mean, like I'm, I'm just like a DC swamp monster, like hardened Politico. So <laughs> my work style is going to be different than other lovely members of our team who come <laughs> That's to That's a funny space. self-characterization, Lizzie. <laughs> that, that wasn't in, in, in the press release or my description of you. I know we should. I, we I'll welcome hardened swamp creature, Lizzie Drath. <laughs> hardened swamp creature. No, you know, I mean, first of all, anybody who's ever worked with me knows that I, I probably cry three times a day. I'm just, I'm, I'm so, my heart is so filled with this work and this mission. Um, and that, and, and I share that with every single person. So regardless of where folks have come, everybody is just so filled with conviction and passion as relates to the work. Um, so that, that has been an extraordinary finding of mine. And, um, and those are amongst the people who are paid. Then we go out into the States where we have hundreds of volunteers. And in my first month, I had the pleasure of actually hitting five different markets, so meeting the people who are doing this work on the ground as volunteers and uh, coming at this just, again, people coming to this, having their, had their light bulb moments for so many different reasons um, and coming together and creating real compelling infrastructure. Like this is not everybody sitting around and like eating bonbons. Like I go into these meetings and folks are at boardrooms. They are putting together bylaws. They have finance plans. They are driving toward, um, you know, their signature collection campaigns for ballot access. Um, and not a single one of them in the room from what I've seen has any sort of political background. And they are doing this bringing their experiences and talents to the table um, and sharing, you know, what people bring in terms of their own kind of individual superpowers to inform the work. And it's, um, it's just awe-inspiring. It really is. It's very, very cool. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash yang. That's helixsleep.com slash yang. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Yeah, I've had the same experience. One... one state I visited recently was South Carolina and I had people yeah. introduce themselves just to, to get a sense. 
And Clint Eisenhower, shout out. Yeah, Clint Eisenhower's great. 60 to 65% of the people in the room were either military veteran. There was a retired colonel there. It was freaking awesome. Uh, but either military veteran, military family, uh, or from some kind of uh, service background. And that really blew me away uh, listening to this where someone would say, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm heading to service. Like, you know, like I um, served for years and years. Um, that there's been one, there, there have been a number of consistent um, backgrounds, but that, that one really hit me hard in South Carolina. In Arizona, um, it was uh, really equally awesome people. Uh, there was like a, an, an attorney who just figured all this out and was like, thank goodness that now we're, we're, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There was a guy who worked in uh, municipal government for 20 years and, and just said, you know, like uh, I, he was a civil engineer and he's like, I just like to solve problems. And this is the biggest problem I, I've, I've seen. Um, so the, the folks who are drawn to the forward party in states around the country are just awesome, really, really uh, civic-minded uh, patriots. And, and I will say that everyone's there for the right reasons. Like, you know, there, there's no one oh, who, sure. who comes to it for sort of like the, the bullshit. <laughs> there's no room for bullshit. There's yeah. no room for bullshit. You know, I think one of the things that um, resonates with me, Andrew, when you talk about the engagement of the veterans community, um, you know, I was on the on the phone with Todd Connor, who's over at Veterans for Political Innovation, just a great group. Great group. And um, and we, we shared something that we have in common, which is the, the get shit done mentality. Um, you know, for, for veterans looking at this space, it's like, no, we just have to create a plan and get after it. Like, let's just get this done. We're going to create this a plan. We're going to go after like, it. Okay, what's the mission? Totally let's go do oriented. it. Yeah, I love totally that Totally action oriented, um, which I just, I love. So they're they're extraordinary partners uh, for all of us in the space. Yeah, so uh, to retrace your steps a little bit, you showed up to D.C. as a college student. Uh, I and, did. Yeah, and, and then you got involved on Capitol Hill um, uh, in different capacities. Were you someone who showed up to DC thinking, Hey, I'm going to get into politics and uh, make the world a better place. Like what, what was the original thinking? Yes. To the former. No. I mean, yes. To the latter. No. To the former. Um, I, I was, I had, um, a really cool opportunity actually my senior year of high school, I got to live abroad and, um, definitely shifted my perspective, um, you know, more globally. And, um, and then I had an opportunity to do some some really cool travel uh, when I was in college. Um, actually, um, it was it was a blessing, but but a unfortunate circumstance that I was there. I actually went and was deployed as part of an earthquake relief team uh, in 1999 uh, when earthquakes hit Turkey. Um, so watching the news right now is is Terrible. just is crushing. Um, having been on the ground um, then 25 years ago and watching what those people went through. So I, I definitely had more of kind of a global perspective. And then I went from global to hyper local. When I uh, came home one summer, I had mono. I was not supposed to be uh, in Connecticut that summer. I got mono and I got a job working for the town clerk. And I went to town hall every day and I worked for the town clerk and I registered dogs. And then when folks came in and needed um, printouts of their uh their plots of their, their property lines. I had this giant coffee machine and I would roll the whole thing through. And the town clerk in Connecticut was a woman named, a woman named Claudia Weber. And, uh, Claudia changed my life. 
she cared. She cared about her community. She knew everybody in town. She loved being the town clerk. She'd gone to GW uh, and had great stories of um, all sorts of wild things that she had done in Washington and all sorts of like crazy aspirational roles she could have had. And she came home and she worked as the town clerk in Connecticut. And Claudia um, put a couple phone calls in for me and got me an internship working for a guy named Chris Shays, who was a representative of Connecticut for extraordinarily thoughtful bipartisan leader in the House of Representatives, which is why he lost um, <laughs> re-election. Uh, but really, really good guy. And it was I got an internship on Capitol Hill, and um, it was just magic. Like interns back then, and I don't. This was before 9/11, so I don't know if it exists anymore. But we had a pass to the Library of Congress, so like where other kids went to school and researched their papers on campus at the library, which we had a great library. Like I went to the library at Congress and I had the librarians help me research and pull stuff. It's just, it was just a magical key to something remarkable. Um, so that was, yeah, those are Claudia Weber at the town clerk. I registered docs. That was my first job in politics. Wow. And then, uh, you climbed the ranks, uh, in Capitol Hill in various ways, worked for our friend, Michael Steele. I did. Um, when, when he had this kind of the, this, um, internal revolution uh, over at the RNC. Mm-hmm. And, and and then you started and ran your own business for years and years yeah. uh, w- w- very successfully, which I I think is such a feat as someone who's started and run a couple of organizations. Like any anyone who actually has done that uh, successfully, uh, you know, like the buck stops at you. There's like no place else for it to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my business partner and I were well aware of that. <laughs> the months where you write your own business a check to cover payroll, you're like, okay. Yeah, you yeah. Know. There's no place to go. No one to blame. No place to go. And, yeah, you you feel like the head of an extended family, and you know you're the actual head of like a you know like a, a real family. Um, you know, you're the uh, parent of three. I want to say. Yeah, I've got three. We have um, our big girl is twelve, and we have eight year old twins. They'll be nine next month. Wow, twins. Expecting, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like when you no. got that news. <laughs> oh my God, Andrew, I'll tell you. So I was, um, so we had just launched our company. We were, um, we were about a year, we were about a year in, not quite a year in and things were starting to cook and we were, we were super stoked. We were starting to sign, sign big clients. And, um, really one of my big, big anchor clients was, um, Speaker Banner. So uh, I was his national finance committee consultant and wow. worked to build out a national finance committee for the speaker, which was so much fun because it was actually him coming in and working with delegations in the states, bringing together members, House members, Republican House members in various states um, uh, to, to raise money. So it was really fun because I got to know a lot of the members really well. Um, and I found out I was pregnant with the twins and I had um, like three or four fundraisers flanking my delivery date. And um, one of them required me to go up to New York and I had a big meeting at KKR. It's Ken Melman, General Petraeus and all these like very important speaker of the house. And I am seven and a half months pregnant with twins and one of two women in that boardroom. And I kind of waddled in. <laughs> Everyone went, oh God, don't mess with her. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, it was not, they were not expected and I was not, uh, there was no way I was going to relinquish, uh, my work on that particular project. So. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So you've been plugged into a bunch of uh, folks who are senior in the Republican Party. 2016, you think, okay, guys, this is not the way. And then a bunch of them shrug and be like, I guess this is the way. <laughs> Though I'm sure a few, few of them surreptitiously said to you, like, oh, I don't, I don't like what's going on. Uh, like, what, where, where do you think that group is now? Because um, I'm sure you talk to people of, of uh, different backgrounds yeah. And uh, you've been talking to them about structural reform for the last several years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because like, one of the things that you'd said to me at some point was like, look, I'm not sure if people were ready, uh, you know, four or five years ago, but they're increasingly ready now. I, I, I stand by that. In fact, I met with um, some of our wonderful um, legacy leaders from SAM. You know, I sat down with them in the spring of 2017 and I said, look, I'm nervous. We're all nervous. We don't know what we're in for here. Um, but I think that the predominant, um, positioning amongst, uh, center-right Republicans is going to be to wait and see, um, you know, let's not upset the apple cart. Um, you know, we still have Mitch McConnell who we can trust. We have Paul Ryan who we can trust. So let's not upset the apple cart and let's keep going. Um, and I don't think that folks are ready at that time. Um, I do think this is different. I think it's much different right now. And, um, we, it's just not getting better. Right. It's just getting <laughs> no, worse. I can't say it is really right. It's just not getting better. And I, you know, um, I am, uh, I'm an, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a pragmatist. And, you know, there's a colleague of ours in the space who she and I were on a panel together last summer. And she kept saying that, you know, by talking about fixing the system, the notion of fixing the system and introducing two party a, a new party, uh, we're somehow undermining the system as a whole. And that instead what we need to be doing is reinforcing confidence in the system and building out moderate factions <laughs> in the two parties. And I just said, too late. It's too late. Pe- like, pe- no people have been trying to out. do that uh, for years and, and now they're throwing in the towel. I mean, I've had a lot of those conversations. Heck, the entire Renew America movement crew was like, we're going to uh, restore the Republican Party. And then they joined the merger because they said, you know what, like the, the Republican Party is lost. Yeah. I just I don't I don't think that it's an option anymore, Andrew. I think it's just way too far gone. People have figured out that they can vent like their negative impulses and control the party in a particular way, and, and it's very hard to put that genie back in the bottle. You know, like they've learned the, that lesson. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's one thing too. I think for folks who um, have visions of, of of building out moderate factions within the existing party structures, have never been to a state central committee meeting. They have never been at a platform committee meeting. You know, these aren't center right, center left leaders. The the leadership of, of the party structures are the extremes themselves. And they are going to continue to drive 
party regulations and party rulings in a way that incentivizes uh, extremism. So, uh, you know, I don't, I think that folks who think of themselves as, you know, a, a center left, you know, Democrat or center right Republican um, would be shocked to hear some of the rhetoric that is coming out of rulemaking committees in, in the current two party system. They are not representative of, of the broad base of Americans and where we want to go. They're incredibly divisive and, um, and not, and, and they, the bomb throwing and the name calling um, of, you know, quote the other, right. Yeah. Yeah. That there's, whole there's notion a dehumanization of, the of this, this process. Total dehumanization. Right now. Yeah. I, I, I have no, I, I have no place there. And it is fun how people have come to forward from different angles uh, where like Matt and Kate, you know, are, are former Dems. I don't know if Matt was ever a Dem. Matt's been third party for a long time. But, 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 but. He's, 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 Andrew, you know, he and I have had enough policy conversations to know that I, I know where he falls on a lot of things. It's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but at, at this point, um, we're, be, we're getting pitted against each other in this like increasingly – uh, destructive and, and futile manufactured conflict. Uh, and so whatever goals we might have for our country, like we have to say, like, look, like this current system is not going to serve them. Like we have to, no. uh, we have to upgrade um, and modernize the, the, the system. So you've been working at Ford for a couple months. And by the way, you did a bunch of things that um, I, I thought were awesome leadership where you organized a retreat, brought everyone together, like, you know, like, got, like got everyone on the same page. You did a bunch of things. Where I was like, oh, I got that's some aces leadership. It's the kind of thing that I, <laughs> that, that, that I, I would have. I just um, wanted I just wanted to go to John Kingston's farm. <laughs> I just I just wanted to see snowy snow capped mountains in Vermont. No, it was um, so important. Like culture. I know this is this is, you know, everyone said, but like culture eats strategy for breakfast. Like it does all day long. I mean, we can have the great greatest strategic vision for party building. And if culturally we're all not synced and there isn't, you know, a, a foundation of trust amongst our team, we'll never get there. Which leads me to possibly the most fun thing is like, what what lies ahead? What can we look forward to? With a forward party with Lindsay at its helm. Oh my gosh, we're gonna be in your, we're gonna be in everyone's backyards, Andrew. We're so excited. Kate Sayre has envisioned um, a Ford Together tour, and um, it has kind of three components. One is uh, going into a community and really sit down with sitting down with community leaders, understanding uh, what their needs are, um, understanding where those needs are being met by the two party system, uh, how they're being left behind. Um, we are looking for folks to participate in those conversations, uh, people who are leaders of all sorts of different communities in various cities around, around the country. So uh, we just uh, started that process in uh, Arizona. We're going to be out in California, actually, this week. Uh, I talked to the team in North Carolina over the weekend. We're going to be in North Carolina doing it. So that's kind of the first component. The second component is a big, large-scale event. We want folks to know we're here. We want to make a splash. Um, so we're going to make some noise. We're going to have some fun. We're going to recruit volunteers. We're going to raise a lot of money. Um, and then one of the things that's, I think, really central to a lot of the folks who are drawn to this work is the notion of service. So how do we ensure that communities understand that we're there to serve them? This isn't, this isn't a grift. We're not trying to force something down people's throats. And to that end, if we're there, how can we serve the community? So, um, the other, the other component of our presence in these markets is, is partnering with, um, 
local charities um, in service projects so that Ford volunteers can be out in the communities and helping um, to serve those who need it. That's a very wholesome, beautiful vision. Uh, so the, there's talk of a convention um, mm-hmm. this summer, which might just include some of the state leaders and activists. People yeah. ask me about it periodically. Do you know where it's going to be? Yeah. So we are, um, so yes, the notion of our being, having a presence in people's communities and backyards and working hand in hand in service projects is wonderful. We also need to win. We have to go out there and win. And that's where the hardened political swamp monster comes. <laughs> so we're going to get all of our state leads together. We are, uh, we are in the process of signing a contract, so I'm not going to say where, what? but it is centrally located. <laughs> we are in a regionally Central, centrally eh? located place uh, that's going to be easy for everybody to get to, um, close to an international airport. Um, we're going to be there June 22nd through the 25th, um, and it's going to be an opportunity for all of our state's leads to come together um, and really talk about what it's going to, what it's going to take to win. How are we going to build these parties? How are we going to create durable lasting infrastructures? How are we going to initiate these signature collection campaigns? How are we going to recruit candidates? How are we going to run them? How are we going to raise money? How are we going to talk about it and get the media to tell stories about it? So we're going to be doing all of that. And then, um, you know, also, Again, more team building, uh, more, um, you know, more kind of imparting the culture and the values and the principles of the Ford uh, party uh, onto our onto our teams. Um, you know, a little Kool-Aid drinking, a little Kool-Aid drinking is great. We're going to do that. And um, so we're really excited about that. So June 22nd through the 25th in a centrally, uh, regionally central location well, to be announced. Uh- Yeah, no, more to come. Stay tuned. Uh, And certainly I'm going to block those dates out. So we had a national search for the CEO. We had founders and CEOs of organizations uh, throw their hats in the ring. And it was really lovely in the sense that uh, there are a lot of people that recognize the need for what we're building. Um, But I I have to say, Lindsay, uh, you know, the, the, the team just was so blown away by you and your uh, leadership Uh, and dedication um, from day one that we're so pumped to have you as the new CEO. You're going to lead forward in a tremendous growth path for the next number of years. Uh, I'm pumped to work alongside you, do everything I can to help. But thank you for your your courage, really. I mean, you know, you were a very, very experienced politico, there are dozens of ways that you could have uh, gone that did not involve trying to solve this set of fundamental problems for the country. But you're here because uh, you know this is what the country needs. So really, uh, on behalf of everyone who loves Forward, thank you. And uh, thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to work with you. Thank you. You know, it is. Um, it sounds trite and easy. It's just the right thing, right? Yeah, it's it the is. right thing to do. It's the right place to be. In any movement in the history of our nation, there are the misfits and the outliers that that start the process, and and um, and that's a little bit of where we are right now. Um, but I believe in it. I just, I truly, truly believe in it. It's the right thing to do, um, and I'm I'm really, really grateful to be here, and for all the folks that are on the journey with us, because it's an awesome group of people. It is an awesome group, uh, growing every day. <laughs> you know, one of the things, Lindsay, I, I sometimes ask people, it's like, hey. Do you think the solution is going to come from within the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, 
or other? And then they think about it for a second and they're like, definitely other. And I'm like, see, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, do you know what I, I didn't realize? And I, I, I guess I slept on it that David Rubenstein has a series that he does a peer to peer show. Have you ever yeah. seen his show? Oh, yeah, and, yeah. He uh, was on the podcast, uh, you know, last year. I, I turned on um, on Sunday. He had um, Lorraine Powell Jobs on. Yeah. And um, she's great. And it was. She's so great. And it was funny because, you know, talking to her, um, you know, as, as an innovator and an entrepreneur, um, you know, married to a disruptor, she is a disruptor. And, uh, and, you know, David Rubenstein kind of held up his cell phone to her and said, did you know, like, did, did your husband know, did Steve know that this was going to be the greatest, most transformational consumer product ever? And she said, no, you know, he always kind of like to think about himself as, is kind of, you know, the David against the Goliath and a little scrappy. And I thought, Hey, we can be the iPhone. <laughs> we can be the iPhone of political parties. <laughs> Why not? I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Maybe we could work with that. Lindsay forward, the iPhone of political parties. Sorry for you non Apple users out there. Um, it's on a bu- including our, our, uh, interim CEO, uh, Matt Shinners, but it fits on a bumper sticker, right? It's it's oddly good, and gosh knows that the country needs it, and that neither of the two parties resembles it at all. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. More choice. Yes, as I say, the backward party was taken maybe twice. All right, Lindsay, <laughs> such a, a pleasure, Thank and you, uh, can't can't wait to get out on the trail with you in the days to come. I will see you in California. I'll see you in California. <laughs>